read Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5. And what I want to do is not so much exegete the passage. I want to administer the the passage in a counseling or devotionally applicable type of way. So Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of Jordan? And this passage is in the middle of several laments that the prophet Jeremiah is lamenting before the Lord. And he will go through and really ask the Lord severe questions. And they are severe questions, but they are questions that you and I have also asked of the Lord or really thought through at different times in our own lives. And you'll notice in chapter 12 and verse 1, Jeremiah begins with this prayer and he acknowledges, he said, Lord, you're righteous and I will plead my case before you. Indeed, I will discuss matters of justice with you. So if you're talking about social justice, Jeremiah is going to take up this issue of social justice with who? With the Lord. Now he acknowledges from the beginning that the Lord is just when he says, you are righteous. So he approaches him in that fashion and he asks these questions. Chapter 12, verse 1. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? You ever ever asked a form of question like that in your own mind? Many, many of God's men have asked that same question. He goes on and he says, Why are all those who deal in treachery at ease? You ever thought anything like that? Here I am, I'm trying to live the Christian life, I'm trying to do what's right, and here my neighbor who has no thought of God, they got the pay raise, they're not having any problems in their life, everything's going fine, they're talking about buying a new boat or a new house down by the lake or whatever, and here I am, I'm trying to serve the Lord and I'm having to pray just to be able to meet my bills in two weeks. So Jeremiah takes up this case with the Lord. And he says in verse 2, he says, Now Lord, you are the one who planted the wicked and those who deal in treachery. You have planted them and they have taken root in the land of Israel and they grow and they even produce fruit. Now look at the end of verse 2. You are near to their lips but far from their what? So what is he saying there? He's saying they're religious. Right? They, 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 could, they can talk about the Lord with you. They could even take up and quote Scripture. But they are dealing wickedly in the land. And they are the ones that are prospering. Verse 3, he says, But you know me, O Lord... 
You see me. You examine my heart's attitude toward you. Now what's happening to Jeremiah? Is Jeremiah, does he have a big church? No. No, he doesn't. Does he have an easy life? No. Is everybody knocking down his doors and saying, oh, please tell us about the Lord? Are people gathering and saying, Jeremiah, what must I do to be saved? No, none of that's happening, right? And of course, the church wasn't in existence in those days, but I'm just making application today. None of that's happening. In fact, every time he has to deliver a message, he's been barred from preaching in the temple area. Later on in this book, he's going to end up in prison, fed bread and water. And then he's going to end up where? In a well with his body half stuck in all the mud and gunk that's down there. Praying to the Lord in the deepness of that well. He's not having an easy life, is he? And folks, I can guarantee you that no matter how godly you are, circumstances can come into your life where you begin to question the righteousness of God. Whether God is being righteous to you. Now, is He? He is being righteous. And so he talks about all this, and then in verse 5, what we have is the beginning of the Lord's answer. I know in my text it says the Lord's answer begins in verse 7. But here you've got this phrase, if you have run with footmen, and they have what? Tired you out. Everybody see that? They have wearied you. How are you going to run with a horse? And so I listed some things here. Jeremiah is weary. He's wore out. He's tired. And folks, weariness is an ever-present danger for a pilgrim. Jeremiah is weary because God's not acting like he thinks he should be acting. Jeremiah would like to see revival, right? Jeremiah would like to see people being born again. Jeremiah would like to see righteousness exalted in the land. These are the things Jeremiah is preaching and warning the people about so that they might turn. They have the opportunity for repentance. But it doesn't come. And it doesn't come. In fact, it seems like it's getting worse. They've been planted... They take root, they come up, they bear fruit. And folks, you and I can get weary of what is seemingly God's inaction about your prayer. 
I suppose in my own pilgrimage that what I have mentioned to you in this area is one of my greatest stumbling blocks in my own prayer life. Is weariness of the Lord's seemingly inaction for what I'm praying about. Now, I'm taking for granted that we're praying scriptural prayers. I'm taking for granted that you and I are praying and asking things of the Lord that we would think with all of our heart are in His will. But it is true that the Lord can seem indifferent. But remember, He's not indifferent. So we can get weary of God seemingly in action with our prayer lives. I think Jeremiah was also weary of the culture in which he lived. If you recall with Jeremiah, not only was he having problems with the religious leaders that had barred him from the temple, he was having problems with the government. He's going to end up being imprisoned several times. But his own family tried to kill him. Can you imagine? And God revealed this to him. And God actually told Jeremiah in another place, don't listen to their nice words to you. They were setting him up. How would you like to be in that type of culture? Where you can't trust your neighbor, you can't trust your employer, you can't trust the government, you can't trust the religious circles in which you frequent, you can't even trust your own family. Your mother, your father, your uncle, your cousins. You can't even trust them. Folks, do you think that would make you tired? That would make you very weary. I listed several other things. <clears throat> We can become very weary because of health issues. Can you name me a book in the Bible where a godly man got weary with health issues? Job, Job, right? And he's not the only one. When you have a health issue that just goes on and on and on and on, you can become weary in doing right in the midst of it. Because God is seemingly inactive, right? You still got the health issue, yes? That's not what you desire for it to be gone. But it can wear on you. And again, brethren, I have been in ministry for many, many decades and I have experienced this in my own life, it really doesn't matter how spiritual you are, the the oppression of that type of weariness can just wear you to the ground. We can become weary praying. You remember what the Lord said in Luke? 
Men ought to always to pray and not to, I'm quoting King James, not to faint. That means we can faint. And again, it doesn't matter how mature you are. You're not fully spiritual until we see Him. These are the things that we have to deal with in this life. Do you think our missionary that I mentioned to you who has somebody following him who lives in that type of thing trying to win Muslims to the Lord, do you think he could get weary? Surely he can do that. In the book of Malachi, Malachi says that we can be weary in service of the Lord. I have experienced touches of this in my own life, and I know that God's own people have experienced this in their own life. We can get weary in getting up in the morning and opening our Bible and having a time to be alone with Him. Is that right? Usually it's in a combination with other areas of weariness. We can become weary with attending church services. We're taught in American culture that what's exciting is new and what is boring is something repetitive. Every Lord's Day... We are with God's people. Every midweek service, we are at that prayer meeting. And the repetitiveness of it, or dare I say, the monotony of it, can become wearisome. Now the problem's not with God. And the problem's not with the church service. And the problem's not in serving Him and doing His work. The problem's where? Us. The problem's with us. We're not responding properly to that weariness. And in Malachi, he actually responds to the Jewish people who are saying that there is such a weariness to all this serving God. God turns around and says... Have you ever thought that the very fact that you are thinking and expressing your weariness about my service, that you are wearying me with your speech? Isn't that something that you can tire God out with our stupidities in our speech by not saying what is right before His face? Again, you have that oppression. You can become weary with your own church. A pastor can become weary with his congregation. A person can become weary with their spouse. You think so? Mm -hmm. I see it happen a lot. 
They can become weary in their family. And folks, all of these things, you can't remove the weariness that is under the sun, but you can respond to it properly. Paul writes to the Galatians, don't be weary in doing good. And folks, the context of that is probably giving. But in general application, the reason why we become weary in doing good is when we don't see the fruit of our doing good come to pass. You say, well, I would never do that. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever done something for someone and in your heart you said, they didn't even say thank you? Would that not be an appropriate response to you doing good for someone? For someone to be grateful for it? The very fact that you say something like that means that there is a weariness from the good that you have given and there has been no return on it back to you. And I just want to remind you that God does this all day long. He does good and does not get the good back that he deserves. Asaph in the Psalms said that he got weary of God's chastening in his life. And what I mean, what do we mean by chastening? Do we mean going out behind the barn and getting spanked? No. No. What we mean is being instructed to maturity like a parent would do to a child. And in Asaph's life, he got so weary of God's chastening in his life that he began to look at the wicked and noted that they weren't being chastened. And he began to envy them because they weren't being chastened. And folks, I want to remind you that Asaph was one of Solomon's wisest men. And more than likely in his maturity, it would be far above ours. And he's experiencing this temptation, so who are we to say that would never happen to me? Thanks be to God that God instructed him when he went into the temple and he saw their end. And folks, lastly, I just wrote down here, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, we can become weary in our enduring the resistance of sin. Sin is oppressive, isn't it? Sin is deceitful, isn't it? And folks, you've got to understand that here are these Hebrew believers, and in Hebrews 10 it says they had, they had all their substance confiscated from them. They had people come into their homes and confiscate 
the things that they had because that they were believers. And the writer to that book of Hebrews says, you need to endure. Now folks, when you have to endure, that means something's weighing on you. And when you're carrying something weighing on you, what, what could happen? You get tired. You get weary. And in this case, he does mention being weary of the Lord's chastisement, but in Hebrews 12 and verse 4, he talks about resisting sin. You have not shed blood yet in your resistance of sin. And that brings us back to Jeremiah. God's answer to him is this. Jeremiah, if you're finding it difficult to walk with me in your present culture, with footmen. What will you do if greater judgment comes upon this land? If you can't run with footmen, if you can't keep up with a runner, could you keep up with a horse? No. And folks, I do think that it is instructive, and this is what I was thinking this morning as I was reading down through there and meditating on that verse, I just thought to myself, you know, if I'm really struggling at this point, and really, we can meet here, there's no microphones outside the window, (laughs) there's no black cars out there with people in it following us around, to the best of my knowledge, there's no blacklist with our names on it, right? If I'm struggling now, what what would I do if I had to shed my blood for Christ? And I just I just had to pause and give thanks to the Lord for my present now hear me, my present oppressive circumstances. <laughs> Because my wife will sometimes will say this, <clears throat> it could be worse. Right? The, the weariness, the pressure on us could be worse. And what I found as I confessed that to the Lord and just asked for the Lord to give me that strength to endure, you know what I found? A strange thing happened. the weight got lighter. (laughs) The weight got lighter. And my spirit had greater measure of freedom. And I do think sometimes that's the way it is. The The Lord's just waiting for us to come to Him and be thankful for His righteous judgments. And in our gratitude, not get weary at what is seemingly the Lord's inactivity. 
Because like he told Habakkuk, when Habakkuk said, Lord, you're not doing anything. Remember what the Lord said? I'm paraphrasing. This is, this is the living pastor Bible. <laughs> he said, come here, Habakkuk. Let me, let me show you the Babylonians. <laughs> and I don't know if Habakkuk thought in his heart, I shouldn't have asked anything. <clears throat> the Lord is working. And He is answering prayer. And He is moving everything to its designated end. And thanks be to God that we can say, Righteous are You, O Lord, and mean it with all our heart and all our soul. So let's